All right, welcome into Stuck in Misery, the best Midwest sports talk podcast. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, and I'm really excited about today's guest. I'm joined by Cairo 7 News producer, Justin Nunez. And many moons ago, Justin and I worked together at a TV news station in Tampa, Florida. Justin, this is a reunion of sorts, but this is your very first podcast ever. I find that hard to believe, my man. Yeah, dude, you would think, you know, working in broadcast news and, you know, kind of having a media job throughout my entire career that I would have been like, at some point been on a podcast, but now, man, it's me and you, dude, you're the first to get me ever. So hopefully I do this right. All right. It's a stuck in misery exclusive. That should be the standard, but Justin, we're recording this the Monday on the eve of the 2020, 2021 NBA regular season. And it feels like just a few weeks ago, the Lakers were coming off their championship with LeBron and AD and everything. But on the eve of this new season, to the casual fan in your eyes, why are you watching this season? To see if there's a breakdown, man. I mean, like anything can happen in the NBA, I guess. Like at any point in time, you know, somebody can get injured, a trade can happen. Like, I don't know, LeBron could just be like, you know, father time is undefeated. Maybe this is just a year where LeBron just falls off a cliff for whatever reason. It's probably not going to happen, but I don't know. Maybe Giannis can do something. There's a lot of other like interesting storylines that like people should pay attention to. KD with the Nets is a big one. Chris Paul with the Suns, playoff P getting the fatty contract. Like there's a lot of things to look at, like side story wise, that I think is going to be very intriguing, even though most of us feel the Lakers are probably going to win it all this year. Yeah. And I hear you about LeBron. He'll be 36 in December. So what he's doing, the longevity is really unparalleled. Maybe other than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is a guy who played at that high of a level for that long of a time span. Carl Malone, I know, is in there too, but we all know Carl Malone never won a title. And LeBron, all of those minutes accumulated, I look at what the Lakers did in the offseason, how they're now shifting more of that burden on Anthony Davis. I think they upgrade at the guard position, getting Dennis Schroeder. I think he's an upgrade yeah. over Rondo, Montrez Harrell, and Marc Gasol. That's an upgrade over Dwight Howard. No, they don't have Avery Bradley anymore, but I think the Lakers did a nice job of reloading to try to run this back with your dynamic duo of LeBron and AD. Dude, yeah, those guys are two, I mean, top 15 players in the NBA. And LeBron, man, what can you say? He's the best GM in the NBA, dude. Like, whoever he wants to get, like, that's what's going to happen. You know, he's going to find a way to get good talent on his team. He's going to find a way to surround himself. And that's just what he does. So, I mean, the Lakers, dude, they're clear favorite right now. I'm very excited to see if they can actually pull it off. Because LeBron winning a second ring in L.A. just is wild. Like, the dude's a monster. The dude's really good at putting a good team around him. So, it's going to be fun, man. Anthony Davis is, like, the perfect – I wouldn't even call him a Robin because he's, like, a co-Batman. So like whenever LeBron just decides, <laughs> whenever LeBron just decides, man, I mean, KD or Anthony Davis is just there to do whatever he wants and still also be a monster. It's, it's pretty, it's a good luxury to have. No love for Nightwing. I know you've got Batman, <laughs> Robin, and then Nightwing was the spinoff, but I see what you did there, JX. Yeah, man, a little co-Batman. <laughs> so other than the Lakers, then, if you had to pick another title favorite, I'd imagine I always prefer the Western Conference because there's always been that discrepancy of the Western Conference being a lot more dominant over the Eastern Conference. Justin, we rarely agree when talking NBA, which is why I like talking hoops with you. But it sounds like we both like the Lakers to run it back. But is there another, yeah. another team that sticks out to you that you think that could give the Lakers a run for their money for the 2021 NBA championship? 
Oh, well, I mean, you just always have to look at like good players and what good players are there. I mean, Kevin Durant's coming back. I know the Nets are on the east side and they're or on the east in the Eastern Conference, but I mean, KD and Kyrie can't ever count KD out. But I mean, realistically, like for being super honest, like it has to be the team across the street. Like the Clippers are good. Kawhi's amazing. He can shut down LeBron. Like that can happen. Um, he's got playoff P, even though he didn't perform in the playoffs like most people wanted him to or thought he would. The Clips are just a good team. They've got two, like one superstar player, an all-star player, and I just, they're good, man. The Clips are good, and probably after them, the Nets. I mean, I would like to see KD return to form and just kind of kill it. I'm a big KD guy, Slim Reaper. I hear you. It's going to be fun to see him back healthy on a court, and I don't know, though, with Kyrie Irving, and it's just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he's his own dude and it's one of those things where it's like every time he says something he almost contradicts himself dude. immediately <laughs> i stopped taking kyrie irving seriously when he used to be a flat earther and he even <laughs> apologized for it oh, but it man. was one of those things where it's just like why do we take everything that this guy says as gospel and yeah, i think that there's a reason why he's always been a number two and he hasn't been the lead alpha i understand yeah. why he wanted to leave Cleveland because LeBron kept doing the one-year deals and Irving's like, are you going to stay? Are you going to go? I don't want to be stuck with this Cavs roster. That is a mess. We'll get into that a little bit later. So I understand why he wanted to leave Cleveland. He goes to Boston and that's pretty much a train wreck. The Celtics get further in the playoffs without Kyrie Irving than with him in their young roster. I am excited to see KD perform. He, this guy was the best player in all of basketball, even at times better than LeBron James, even at times better than Kawhi Leonard. So hopefully he can come back from, believe it was that Achilles injury, which we'll see what happens with him. And another injury too is Klay Thompson out for the Warriors. I was really excited to see if the Warriors could rekindle the flame, but I think they're going to have a limited ceiling as far as how far that they can go without Klay Thompson in the Western Conference. But Steve Nash in Brooklyn is going to have his work cut out for him as a first-time NBA head coach. Yeah, It's man. more personality management more than X's and O's, but what do you think there? I mean, you kind of heard some of the comments before the season started, like obviously in the offseason of – kind of KD and Kyrie being coaches as well. I mean, I don't really buy that, but I mean, I think Steve Nash just kind of has to figure out a way, like you said, to like manage the egos, manage just like who's going to be number one, who's going to be number two. And as long as Steve Nash can just like facilitate the egos and make guys happy, I think they can figure out, figure out a way to work out. And as far as like Kyrie goes, like I know the dude's like, he's in another realm mentality wise, but the dude's gifted and he's kind of back in that same role is when he was in Cleveland with LeBron where you know like he realistically doesn't have to do the heavy lifting he can kind of just go off and have his games and be a shooter and be a facilitator and be a creator without really needing to do it with the weight of a team on his back so I feel like if they can just figure it out like they've got some good pieces like I was just double checking you know the roster it's like they have uh, KD they have Kyrie Spencer Didwitty's solid. They have DeAndre in the paint to like lock down the paint area and get those blocks and just kind of scare people from getting inside. And I mean, the Chelan guy, the Eastern Washington native, Joe Harris, just lights out shooter. You know, like we love him over here, man. Give me some more Joey Harris. 
All right, I'll buy your Joe Harris stock, but I am selling your DeAndre Jordan stock, Justin. DeAndre Jordan was cool in like the Lob City era in LA, but his best days are behind him. The only reason why DeAndre Jordan's on that team and Jared Allen isn't getting more in love is because of the relationship that he has with KD and Kyrie. And they're the ones dictating what happens there. And they're the reasons why the Nets went ahead fired their head coach, and then bring Steve Nash in. That doesn't happen if KD doesn't sign off that and if Kyrie doesn't yeah. sign off that, and I won't be told otherwise. Yeah, accurate. But they, the Nets are going to have a defensive team, man. They got Jeff Green in there too. Like they can. It looks like they're going to be in ball games strictly <laughs> off defense. I'm looking at it right now. You held on to your yeah. Jeff Green stock. Is yeah. what you're telling me. You, you and yeah. Rosillo. You and yeah, Rosillo. Man. I don't know, man. The Nets could be surprising, and they're in the East, so they could make a run. I mean, we'll see. In the show notes, did you see, we had mentioned that Instagram live conversation between Durant and Kyrie and Kyrie's like, (laughs) we're going to run it out of the post to me as a guard that posts and and Durant's just like, yeah, we'll see about that. I I can't like, it was the funniest video because you knew exactly what was happening. Like Kyrie was trying to like, I don't know, first off, Kyrie in another world was a very bad philosopher, like in another point in time. He was a very bad philosopher, like nipping at the heels of Aristotle or something. I don't know. But Kyrie, man, you could just tell he was, I don't remember the exact quote, basically saying like in his mind, he is Kevin Durant and he can do anything Kevin Kevin Durant can do in the paint. And you just see Kevin sitting there like, this is not it, man. Like, this isn't going to happen. Kyrie was calm for eight and a half touches in the post and Kyrie or Kevin Durant was just like, no, dude, we'll give you two and a half. And the other half is you just throwing the ball back to me after I feed you. Like that's, what's going to need to happen. Kyrie's going to need to get out of the way, do some good things, but like always defer to Kevin, let Kevin do his thing because Kevin, we already know his detriment, like in the OKC days was ultimately like Russell Westbrook, you know? And it's like, Kyrie, don't be that guy. Like we saw what can happen. Like you can get far, but you won't get over the hump. Like just, defer to Kevin and let Kevin do his thing. And Kevin very clearly made that a point while on that IG live. It was really funny though. And that's a great transition. Speaking of Durant's former teammate, Russell Westbrook in staying in the Eastern conference, the wizards are going to be fun to watch Justin. And that's true. The analogy I'm going to make is this. When you go to see a fast and furious movie, it's really fun to watch. It's entertaining as hell. But you know going in that that movie is not going to win you an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know that. 100%. And so trying to win a title with Westbrook as your Batman or even as your Robin, at this point, we mentioned father time with LeBron, Russell Westbrook at 32 years old. It's going to be really fun to see him and Bradley Beal do a dueling banjos routine. And you know those guys are going to put up points. They'll be fun to watch. The Wizards will be much improved. But at the same time, it's just like, I know what I'm getting even going in as fun as it will be to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be great. I mean, Beal was averaging 30 points last season. I think Westbrook was somewhere in the range of like 27 and a half. So essentially 60 points between two players on a given night. That's going to be fun. But like you said, you know, Russell's going to have his typical Westbrook nights where he just goes like seven for 27 or something from the field. And just like, essentially kind of just gets in the way of his own team. And although it's going to be fun, like 
the same kind of thing you're going to end up doing is like when you go watch a Fast and Furious movie, you know, you're going to leave the movie and you'll be like, oh, that was fun. And then you'll kind of like sit there and think about the plot, think about what happened and all the cringeworthy scenes. And you're like, that really didn't make any sense. I was just there for the explosions. And then, you know, and then you go have dinner with your girlfriend and then you sleep it off and then on to the next one, man. Like <laughs> The two scenes I love from those movies, the one where the car goes not just through one skyscraper, but two, oh it just gosh. completely defies the law of physics. But then the other one, I, can't, I think this was in f- uh, six. I want to say this was in six. Don't quote me on that. The never ending runway just always Dude, cracks me up. Yes. We're like midway through this chase sequence where they're trying to prevent a plane from taking off. You're like, how long is this runway? And you know that the directors just decided, ah, screw it. We're just Not gonna make it, it twice matter. as long. We're just gonna make it even longer <laughs> just because it's oh so unrealistic. God. But uh, it's gonna be fun in Washington to see Russell Westbrook do his thing and do his thing against the Eastern Conference. We mentioned the discrepancy off the top, Justin, between the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. See Russell Westbrook in the East? That's going to be a lot of fun. But, you know, like going back to the runway scene, man, somebody did the math as far as like what a normal plane does as far as like takeoff speed. And they did the math. And I'm pretty sure like at some point, they came to the conclusion that the runway would have needed to have been like 22 miles long to accommodate for everything that happened inside of the plane. So very much like that scene, like, is it going to take too long for the Washington Wizards to take off, man? Like, who knows? Like, they might just be, you know, all cut scenes and cringeworthy dialogue and then just, you know, never really turn into anything. I think there is a universe where Westbrook and Beal don't work together and just don't fit but Beal is a really good shooter, so maybe the slash and kick with Westbrook will work out okay. It's funny yeah. to me when Westbrook gets traded for John Wall, two of the three worst contracts in the NBA, Chris Paul being the third, where aging older guards, where it's questionable whether you can actually win a title with any of those players that I just mentioned. It's not to say that they're not all-stars, not to say that they haven't played at an all-NBA level, but again, it goes back to Can Russell Westbrook, okay, we know he can't be your Batman. At this point in his career, I'm questioning whether he can even be your Robin. Yeah, I mean, that's accurate, dude. So we'll have to see with the Wizards, but they're going to be fun. I'm going to be there. I'm a big Bradley Beal guy. So at least I just hope he gets his. Maybe he gets traded, and then it just ends up being the Russell Westbrook show in Washington anyways. So one-man band. Yeah, I mean, I don't don't really see the Wizards pushing anything as far as, like, crazy playoff runs to begin with. So they're – just there to be, you know, Fast and Furious 7. That's it. Just an extra fun game to have to watch when you don't have anything to do. Yeah, if Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal end up getting cameos in this movie because of this podcast, Justin, we'll know why. So we'll take our cut of that. Full credit. (laughs) 100%. Year two of Zah. uh, I just combined Ja Morant and Zion Williamson. Zah. (laughs) But year two of both of those exciting players, Justin, I know you loved Derrick Rose and specifically Chicago Bulls Derrick Rose. Does Ja remind you a little bit of D Rose? I know he's coming off that Rookie of the Year award, but I thought these two guys were as, as talented as any rookies that this league has seen. Dude, yeah, 100%. I mean, Ja's kind of like just as every other player, Ja's his own guy, but he's very Derrick Rose, very like Russell Westbrook ish in the fashion that he's just so explosive, so just dynamic as a creator and just at any point in time can give you a bucket. 
With that caveat, I think he's like, he's a better passer than both of them were. And I know Westbrook has the, you know, the triple double thing going from, but I just feel like Jaws IQ level is just so good. And he just is such a good player and he's so very good at making the players around him better. I mean, obviously that's why he had the rookie season that he had. I mean, he dropped 17, 17.8 points and seven and a half assists and almost four boards. Like what else do you want from a rookie? You know, I mean, outside of that, you, the other rookie you would want is Zion and Zion's just a tank. I mean, I love Zion hindsight, 2020, obviously I uh, had a pretty hot take here that I thought uh, Zion was going to be not a bust, but just a very, very like, not as good as what he is now. I didn't think he was going to be as good at putting it lightly. I was very anti Zion because he was just bigger than everybody all the time. And it turns out he's still pretty much bigger than a lot of people. And dude can, you know, dunk the ball. Hey, really well. I know we made a bet on this way back in the day about Zion and you paid up on your bet at the time. You likened him more to, Let's say Julius, Julius Randle Julius Randall <laughs> or kind of more as a, a Zach Randolph type. What sold it for me, Justin, is impressive Zion's high school tape was. It was the preseason last year when he takes off from the free throw line at Duke and he's like 280 or at least that's what he was listed at, 270, 280. Yeah. And I'm like, this dude is a little bit different. And he reminds me of a combination if you took the bully ball style that he plays with. He has a little bit of Shaq in him, but also Charles Barkley and Sean Kemp, where he's his physical presence is just a little bit different. I hope he can stay on an NBA floor and he's going to have to lose a little bit of weight where it's funny. I think John Rant actually needs to put on a little bit of weight yeah. because he's so slight of frame. I get nervous when John Morant goes I mean, flying yeah. through the air and makes an incredible play. And I don't want to see him get hurt. And I hate even speaking that into existence. And so both of those players, as exciting as they were, this upcoming class in 2020, Justin, I watched the draft, a couple things here. The point is how it relates to the 2019 class. I only knew going into the NBA draft, say a handful of prospects, maybe a, a half handful. dozen That's that I could generous. name off the top of my head. Yeah. It's yeah. Been generous, man. I had, to, I had to do a little extra research on some of these guys too. And I mean, outside of like LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton, mostly the guys, not even that you like knew because of basketball, but more so because of like their surrounding circumstances, as far as like, you know, LaMelo being a ball brother and then RJ Hampton deciding to opt out of college and just go play overseas instead. Like I knew more about like the situations that had happened around certain players than actually like, is this guy good at basketball or not? I've talked to some of my other buddies who I went to school with Justin and we were texting each other during the NBA draft saying, do you even remember playing Anthony Edwards? Because he was a star forward for the Georgia Bulldogs. We didn't even remember him. And he was one of the top selections in this draft. I think Wiseman's a nice fit for the Warriors. Yeah. But other than that, I guess I would probably pick Wiseman to win rookie of the year. Maybe I'm not quite buying the LaMelo ball hype yet. And you see all these slick passes in, in NBA preseason highlights. It's like I could show you a pretty good uh, rookie preseason highlight tape of uh, what was yeah. it? Anthony Bennett back uh, the yeah. Cavs several years back. So it's just like the preseason is absolutely meaningless in terms of the rookie development. But in terms of the rookie of the year odds, I'll take Wiseman. Is there anyone else that you think provides good value? 
dude, I don't I have no idea. I mean, it has to be Wiseman. I mean, like I was looking at LaMelo Ball just because I'm kind of with you. Like, I do think he's going to be really good. I don't know how good. I don't know all NBA first, second, third team. Like, I don't know if he's going to be that good. Will he make a couple all-stars for sure? But kind of like you, I was kind of like caught up in like, oh man, like this guy's got awesome. You see his highlights and stuff. And you're like, he must have had a killer game. And then you go and you find out that he had a terrible shooting night, had a bunch of turnovers. And then it's like, so I looked at his, you know, his preseason stats altogether. He went 11 for 42 from the field over the entire preseason. He had 14 turnovers. So like the dude had more turnovers than he had like made buckets. Like I, that's, I mean, I know it's preseason and like players progress over time, but I mean like early it's like, Right now he's a highlight. He's a highlight machine and he's a very gifted passer. But I mean, like outside of him, like you would have to go Wiseman. I mean, I don't know a lot about these rookies, man. I even found out Patrick Williams, who the Bulls drafted, didn't even start. Like he wasn't even a starter. He played 22 (laughs) minutes a game. Like he's a top five pick and he went, he played 22 minutes a game, average, average like nine points and like however many rebounds. Like this is the biggest, like, I have no idea what's gonna happen. Like this pandemic draft was just let's see what happens i guess yeah i'm gonna go into my gripe about this year's draft i understand it's pandemic there are limitations with doing a virtual draft but i want to know why a certain player is falling or why teams made trades or which team is winning that night and i don't know why the draft if it's on espn i want to know the sports angle to it the human interest side of it I don't want to sound cold hearted, but I'm not trying to cry with every single draft selection. And you mentioned the bulls pick of Patrick Williams. This is a guy who I did a live reaction to, and I hope I'm wrong about this. I like that, you know, he's a freshman player. He can develop, but it reminds me of when Marvin Williams was drafted back in the day out of North Carolina. And it was, Well, he was a freshman. He didn't start on a really talented North Carolina team. He'll figure it out and he'll develop. And my thing's like, no, if you can't start on your college team, how are you expected to be an effective pro? Yeah. And maybe that's too old school of me to think, but when the Bulls select him at the fourth overall pick, which was like the first reach of the night during the NBA draft, and they first show a clip of Patrick Williams' family's flower business, I don't want to knock him for a flower business at all, Justin. Can you play or not? Exactly. Exactly. And so it's like, that's a nice story. It's nice human interest. But I want to know if this guy can hoop or not. Can this guy ball or not? Could he be a difference maker in trying to revitalize and revamp the Chicago Bulls roster? And so that was just, I I hope he can. And maybe he can, despite all of those things. But gut instinct, that's what I was thinking. And I compared it to when Marvin Williams was coming out of North Carolina, the fact that he didn't start in college either. And he's been a serviceable pro, yeah. but not anywhere up to being that like, lottery pick in the that he was five, supposed to yeah. be. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, you would, I mean, who are the best case scenarios for him actually? Like Zach Levine, like he was a sixth man at UCLA, I'm pretty sure. And then Devin Booker, was Devin Booker? I'm pretty sure Devin Booker yeah. was also a guy on the bench. And those were like his absolute caps. And guess what? Like they put a lot more on tape than he did. So I mean, like, I just, as far as just like, that wasn't, this is kind of a side tangent, but just as far as like random draft night picks go, I was like, Patrick Williams, good for you, man, for securing the bag, buddy. Like, I don't know what you did, but good for you. <laughs> Hopefully he can develop just because of my fandom with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, sure. I can't believe we haven't brought him up yet. And we're now, I don't know, 20 minutes into this podcast. 
Where does James Harden wind up? I think Philly, but Philly or Brooklyn would be my guess, but we're delaying the inevitable. Let's rip off the Band-Aid. Where does he wind up when this is all said and done? Before I say that, he needs to stay in Houston. Like, he just needs to stay there. As far as just, like, he's in the perfect scenario, man. It's like you're playing for the Rockets. You get every touch you want. You get all the money you want. You get a, You just get to rack up all these stats. But at the end of the day, people know, like, realistically, like, you probably shouldn't win a ring. But if you do, boy, is that going to be, like, the huge, like, legacy bump. Like, holy crap, like, James Harden finally did it. Now, if he leaves, he would then have to, like, face the all the criticism as far as, like, well, he joined another team. He pulled a Kevin Durant. He, if he doesn't win a ring, oh, guess what? You traded yourself just to not win a ring. Like, now you're a guy with an attitude problem. Like, he should have stayed in Houston. I mean, you have John Wall there now. Like, that's cool. Like, you have another good player. But realistically, it's just, like, it's a good place for you to be. It's, like, you could almost be like Charles Barkley and just win and win a lot of games and put up some great stats and nobody's going to fault you for not winning because realistically you probably shouldn't have. But that being said, probably the Sixers, man, Philly. I feel like there's been a lot of subtweety drama going on there. I've been seeing some, like, I think uh, their GM was like, it posted some kind of crazy stats about James Harden, something like that. Like probably the Sixers, but I mean, if you could figure out a way to finagle his way to the nets, that'd be awesome. I would love that. And the dark horse I've been seeing is the Nuggets, man. The Nuggets with James would be dirty. That would be, that would be a team. Yeah, if you could keep the core of Jokic, Jamal Murray, and James Harden, that would be a fun three in Denver. That would be great. I don't know if James Harden can play in the elevation. Is he in good enough shape, Justin? I mean, like in all seriousness, like, and I know that picture that got out there wasn't from the greatest angle, and he actually played pretty well in the preseason. But it's not that he's missing the preseason or protesting that. It's that he's at the club, but he's at the club during a pandemic. That's the issue. And you say, oh, well, I have all the respect in the world for new head coach Steven Silas and Daryl Morey, the front office executive, who literally built this whole system and whole team around your skill set and makes it look probably 20% better than it actually is in reality. Mm-hmm. They're all gone. Mark D'Antoni, gone. So Daryl Morey, now at the 76ers, That's why I think he could wind up in Philly. I think it would be a pretty intriguing big three to the Nets as well. But I think that Ben Simmons presents the best option of a player that the Rockets could get back. In return. And and here's the thing, too, is with a hardened deal, I think you almost need a third team in there because if I'm Houston, if I'm going to give away one of the five to ten best players in the league, I'm trading a blue chip player. I'm going to need as much money back on the dollar that I can get. That is James Harden. And whenever a team trades away a superstar player, a lot of times they don't get fair value in return. Now there are exceptions. I think that the Pelicans are a great example with Anthony Davis and all the assets they got back there, but you've got to find out what fair value is for Harden in return. Not just that he's not the right fit there, And I think John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins are nice players for Houston. It's nice to see a Kentucky reunion, but I know how that's going to play out if they decide to keep all of those players there in Houston. They'll probably make the playoffs, maybe win 
the first round, maybe go to the semifinals. But beyond a Western Conference Finals appearance, I think that's the furthest a team could go with how the Rockets are currently configured. I mean, as far as Harden goes, like it would, the best place for him would be Philly just because you're in the East. Like you get to avoid LeBron until the championship, you know, like Giannis is still very, judgment is still out on him, you know, like jury's out. So you could get past them. Miami Heat, like, I don't know if that was just a magical season quite yet, or if, you know, Jimmy was able to actually rattle those guys together into like a real solid team. So, I mean, like, I think for him and for just like a lot, like you said, like a lot of snares, it's probably going to be Philly. I mean, but like you said, Houston needs to get a haul. Like, your James is still at the top of his game. He's still elite. Like, he still does everything you need to do for, you know, for a franchise that needs to, you know, get over the hump. And Ben Simmons is, you know, classic. You've seen, like, he's, he's the perfect type of player that, like, he does a lot for the Sixers. I'm not going to say he's not. He doesn't. But, like, you just see – how much defense is disrespect him and as far like his shooting ability goes. So like, does the team get that much worse without him? Like probably not. And does he help, you know, does he like a, a player with a bunch of potential that could like return value for you for sure. So I think like the 76ers which would realistically be the best place for Harden to go. All right. You mentioned Giannis and the contract extension with the Bucks, So I think that's actually a good move for the league because it creates parity and you're not going to have all these super teams. Right. And now everyone's going to then target Kawhi Leonard during the next off season, whether he decides to play with playoff P yeah. Paul George, it's hilarious to me. He's complaining about his usage with doc rivers a season ago. And it's like, what do you think is going to happen when Ty Lue's now your head coach and he was Doc Rivers' assistant and he's claiming that he wasn't used in the right way and it wasn't a pick and roll enough. His pick and roll rates were as high as they've ever been to that point in his career. So it's like, dude, like, what are you talking about? And I really, I'm concerned for Kawhi because Kawhi's a great player. He's not really a vocal leader at all. And at the end of the day, people are going to remember that the Clippers didn't play the Lakers in the Western conference finals, which was what the matchup of what we all expected to see. And the Lakers players even admitted that saying we were waiting for them in the Western conference finals and they didn't make it. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, it's funny that his name's playoff P because it's like in ironic fashion, like nobody's calling him playoff P because he balls out in the playoffs. Like exactly. It's just a funny, ironic thing to call him. And, you know, game seven versus the Nuggets. He went, he had 10 points and he went four for 16 from the field that game in like a do or die situation. And since then, I mean, like there's been reports of, you know, a lack of locker room respect for him because it's like, dude, you're supposed to be the dude. Like you're supposed to be the guy that can, and like you said, you know, like everybody deals with everybody, everything differently, but you're supposed to be the guy that can overcome these things and put out for us and be the guy that like, even though he goes for for 16, you know, he's the guy that hits the game winner. He's the guy that facilitates and finds a way to get everybody else better when you're not having the best night. And that's not really what happened. And is Kawhi going to stick with him long-term? Like who knows? I mean, Kawhi obviously carried another franchise to a championship. So, I mean, it can happen, but I mean, as far as just like figuring it out, like they're, they're going to have to do it. And if they don't, like there's going to be a lot of, a lot of questions surrounding the Clippers as if there are, like there weren't some already. If I'm Kawhi, I play this season out, see how it goes. But 
you've seen the writing on the wall with the Clippers. I know they have new ownership with Steve Ballmer and whatnot, and they're trying to change things there. But I look at it from, it is cool that you get to live in LA. That's great. But always going to be in the Lakers shadow, regardless of the level of success that you have. And if I'm not getting the level of production that I need from Paul George, if I'm Kawhi Leonard, I might take a hard look at it and say, would I be better served to play elsewhere after this season? And so that's going to be the big storyline now that Giannis has signed a long-term extension with the Milwaukee Bucks and he'll be there for the foreseeable future. But now where Kawhi Leonard winds up beyond this upcoming season, I think is going to be the discussion that really starts to take over once you get past the all-star break. For sure. 100%. I mean, I hope things do go well for the Clippers. Like it'd be cool to see them knock off the Lakers. Like that would be fun. Like that would be, you know, that would kind of put to bed a lot of, uh, a lot of questions, but will it happen? I don't know. Will playoff P get better? I don't know. Find out on the next episode. (laughs) Yeah. I just want to see Pat Beverly talking smack. That's really, I I absolutely love that. I, I, there's guys like that, that have this like irrational level of confidence is why I love watching the NBA. It's fantastic. 100% man. Playoff P is not to this point, not one of those guys, (laughs) you know, (laughs) put, if you just gave Patrick Beverly playoff P's body, my goodness. <laughs> That's who we need. That's who the NBA wants. Now we're on to something. Exactly. Okay, Justin, we went from the mountaintop. Now we're going to go to the gutter. Worst team in the league this season. And I'll list some names. You got the Knicks. And I'm pretty sure there are some Knicks fans out there who are probably already printing out the Cade Cunningham jerseys. The likely top overall pick of the 2021 NBA draft. He's a point guard at Oklahoma State. A couple of other... Prospects coming out of next year's draft, USC big man Evan Mobley in league ignite guard Jalen Green. But I think with Tom Thibodeau with the Knicks, he's not going to let them be completely terrible. Granted, you don't have the same odds of getting the top overall pick if you have the league's worst record. The league's done as best as it can do in terms of trying to discourage tanking. So I don't think it'll be the Knicks. I think Obi Toppin will play hard, the Brooklyn native. I think he has a ceiling as far as how good he can be as a rookie. But some other teams I'll throw out there, the Magic, the Pistons, the Hornets, the Kings, maybe my Bulls. I would throw the Thunder, the Cavaliers in that mix as well, and the Hornets. I would probably pick between the Thunder, the Cavaliers, and the Hornets being the worst of the three. Now, Let me start with the Thunder. Chris Paul and Schroeder are both gone. So you're going to see what you have in an asset with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, what exactly he's capable of. I know he's shown signs, and maybe he can develop into a player that could carry that team in the Western Conference. The Cleveland Cavaliers, Justin, have a backcourt that doesn't make any sense to me. Colin Sexton and and Darius Garland. That's who sticks out to me is the, the Cavs. I mean, Kevin Love is there, but I mean, he's over the hill, I think, at this point. So I think if they could flip some guys, they actually have a few players that are pretty nice, but the way that they fit together, it's like fitting together a puzzle. The pieces don't fit right now. I'm out on the Cavs. I don't see it. I mean, they weren't good last year either. I I feel like they're, like you said, you're going to have to flip some guys to look better, you know? So I think I'm out on the Cavs. And like you said, with the Knicks, like, Thibodeau's a big guy as far as, you know, really disciplining a a team. And I mean, hopefully the egos there can mash, but I'm saying this correctly, but I don't think any team wants to be not bad as much as the Knicks do. 
Like they, like they would give a lot to be a good team. <laughs> they want to be not bad so much, but it just never happens. And then, you know, uh, hopefully Thibodeau can get them to like, you know, pushing for a playoff spot. I know that the Knicks fans are already printing out the Cade Cunningham jerseys, though. <laughs> I know this for a fact just based on how they operate because right now it's R.J. Barrett and the University of Kentucky cast-offs around him. So, you you know, they've got some okay Kentucky players, but you're not talking about the Kentucky players like an Anthony Davis or yeah. a Devin Booker or what have you or a John Wall, guys that have actually played at an all-star and all-NBA level. And – you talk about a roster that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Barrett, who I think actually could develop into a decent player, does best when he's able to drive and kick, but he has no one around him who can hit an open three-point shot. Yeah, no chance. So it's just like, <laughs> what are we doing here? And hopefully, Thibodeau is be able to figure something out. Maybe they can turn defense into offense, but when he doesn't have floor spacers, when you have an Alfred Payton, a Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson you're talking about all non-shooters around RJ Barrett and again you talk about fit it just you're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole it just doesn't it just doesn't fit together properly yeah no you play you play the paint and then make them beat you shooting the ball and that's you know until they get a good handful of shooters like I don't think it's gonna happen either so yeah they're they're very questionably put together as well them and the Cavs man uh yeah, the three I'm going to take is the Thunder, the Cavs, and the Hornets. And the Hornets, you talk about another team. I think Devonta Graham had a nice bounce-back season, the guard out of Kansas. But he's going to have limited minutes because now LaMelo Ball is there. You've got scary Terry Rozier. And Malik Monk's what, like Malik Monk? Around. Yeah, who else yeah. is even on the Hornets? And it's just yeah. like, it's funny because as great as Michael Jordan was as a player, as a front office Woof. executive... The Hornets have been, yeah, I just <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, another thing, should, another yeah. another team too. If we don't mention them, the Kings. Like, what are we doing here? Is De'Aaron Fox an asset? What about Buddy Hill, Marvin is, Bagley? He like, what what deal. are we doing? What are we doing here in Sacramento? Like, we they've they've got to figure the Kings have to figure that out there too. I feel like they, I don't know, man. They there have been times when the Kings have had some really talented players. And they just can't figure it out, whether it's just bad coaching or just the players just can't like I don't understand ever. I do think Darren Fox is good at basketball, but like like you said, I don't know, man, the Kings have just I don't know. They're like the Browns of basketball. I don't know. Like they're just be better for everybody. (laughs) I like that analogy. I do want to say one thing about my Bulls. I think Zach Levine would be best served as a sixth man on a contending team. A role I don't think he'll ever accept in his league because no. he is a prolific scorer. Yeah. Not very good on defense. Kobe White, whether he can develop into a point guard, there's been this storyline all offseason that the Bulls are going to use him more as an off guard, even though he's only like 6'1", 6'2". He's yeah, not 6'2". very tall. So it's yeah. like, I don't think that will work. He's either a point guard or maybe he's a scorer off the bench, but... I don't know. Maybe Billy Donovan can turn things around in Chicago. You've got a new front office there now that Jim Boylan and Garpax are now gone. That, that might thankfully. be the biggest, yeah. Addition by subtraction, man. Exactly. But I will say this too. Wendell Carter shooting threes. What is he doing? Get in the paint. I know one of 16, maybe you need a larger sample size. 
But to me, he's always going to be the guy that the Bulls decided to draft it instead of Michael Porter Jr., who yeah. was a more high-risk, high-reward selection. Right. And I, I was telling my dad about this, Justin. It's like, okay, if you don't have Wendell Carter, which player is going to serve that interior defender role? But the Bulls are so bad, it's like, does it even matter anyways? Does, so Wendell Carter, in my eyes, is always going to be the guy that the Bulls drafted instead of Michael Porter Jr., and we talk about Michael Porter Jr., a player who could be a, a real X factor for the Denver Nuggets in determining whether they can get over the top in the Western Conference. And I mean, I don't know, man, just with the Bulls, like, I don't even know, like, how, like, legitimately talented they are. Like, Laurie Markkinen, like, looked good for a little bit, and then he looked like he regressed really badly. I mean, Zach Levine's your big guy, like, your best player, and he's he's good. Like you said, he's a prolific scorer, but I mean – who, like, like you said, who else, you know, like Wendell Carter, like great, you know, like go defend a paint that some guards is going to let somebody blow by them anyways. You know, it's the bulls they bought they're they're looking pretty rocky too, but Hey man, they got a new front office and baby steps, baby steps for the bulls. <laughs> Collect some assets and then flip them is what I would try to do. Yeah. Justin hey, tomorrow yeah. night on Tuesday night, again, we're recording on Monday. You've got the warriors taking on the Nets, and then you've got the Battle of L.A., the Clippers, and the Lakers. Just want to get a prediction from you before we sign off here. I can start. I'll take the Warriors over the Nets just because you've got a culture more established. A lot of players coming back who haven't played in a long time. I know Steph Curry got back into the action towards the end of last season, so he's coming back from an injury but he'll be playing full-time again. And then I'll take the defending champion, Los Angeles Lakers, over the Clippers. Both games will be on TNT, which thankfully the NBA on TNT. They got that one right. Oh, Charles Barkley and the gangs, always entertaining. So I'm excited to watch that. Yeah, we all love the shenanigans, man. That's uh, that's good TV, man. I'm glad Charles Barkley's good after basketball at something like. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for that. That rapport between him and Shaq is just great. But uh, that being said, man, I'm actually going to take Brooklyn for kind of the same reasons that you're saying not to pick them. Like, I know Golden State gets to come in and they're getting a lot of players back and they have a lot of rapport and Steve Kerr's a great coach. But I think I think Brooklyn's going to come out guns a-blazing looking to make a statement. I think they're going to try and, you know, Opening night, I think they're going to try and put everybody on notice and kind of put to bed, at least early on, that KD and Kyrie can work out. And I think KD's been – he's been hungry, man. He looks hungry. He feels like – it's Kevin Durant. He's been hurt for, you know, I feel like a lot lately. So I think he's going to just want to hoop, man. I think he might have some rust to knock off, but I think Brooklyn's going to take that. And then I'm with you on the Lakers. I don't see them losing. They're going to be really good. They are – Hashtag good at basketball and LeBron's still LeBron. So, all right, really quickly, we're going to do one bold prediction from each of us about the upcoming NBA season. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and this is going to sound crazy. I'm going to take Doc Rivers to win coach of the year, the 2020-2021 NBA season as the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Wow. Okay. That's hey, you know what, man? Uh, all right, I'll take that because I really, you know what? I think I think the Suns are going to make it into the playoffs, and I don't know what's bold as far as like them making it to the second round. I don't know if that's bold enough, or them making it to the Western Conference Finals. I don't know, but I'm taking way too much stock in that eight no bubble run and Chris Paul being a veteran and you know Booker being kind of at the top of his game right now and DeAndre Ayton taking a step forward. I think 
the Suns go on a nice run and they put a lot of uh, they put a lot of people on notice, man. I think the Suns are going to make a they're going to make a good run, and I think their head coach Monty Williams. I'll take uh, I'll take Monty Williams there for the coach of the year this year. Okay, he's a favorite with Steve Nash, so we'll see how all that shakes out. And with all the NBA awards, it's always storyline oriented yeah. anyways. So it's yeah. who has the best story, who has the best narrative, and that's how the writers tend to vote. And you could go through the list of which players have won the MVP through NBA history. A lot of times the writers just get bored voting for the same player year in and year out. But Justin, this was a lot of fun. This was overdue. Like I said, a reunion 100%. of sorts, but we're going to have to do this again soon to talk hoops. I always enjoy it, my man. Dude, for sure. Anytime you need me, man, I'm here hanging out in uh, the rainy city of Seattle, dude. So got to stay indoors over here because it is not pretty right now. <laughs> Some coast to coast action from Florida all the way out to the West oh, yeah. Coast in Seattle. Pac-12 after so. dark, baby. <laughs> <laughs> for Justin Nunez, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to Stuck in Misery. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your shows. Take care. So long, everyone, and enjoy opening night.